0: Good morning and welcome to episode four of Coaxing Cars, Getting Coffee. We are back with our first of three new episodes. Uh, joined by me is Brett Holland again, our co-host. Say hi, Brett. Hello, uh,
1: fans and listeners.
0: And we have a third host uh, helping us with this little series of episodes. We have James Bateman of Oakham Hockey and England Hockey fame. Hello, James. Hello. And guest number four today and kindly hosting us this morning is Danny Newcomb. Hello Danny. Good morning. We're not in a car. We're not in a car but we <laughs> arrived by car. We've had coffee so the checklist is, uh, okay. is is approved. We have a few questions this morning and I'm going to try and keep it to 15 minutes as our previous episodes have done. Uh, question number one posed by Brett Holland.
1: Yeah so I've taken the opportunity to write this question ourselves. Obviously we've, we've had lots of tweets come in uh, after our recent podcast but we decided to make this question up ourselves. So we're looking at the role that club hockey plays in the player development, and it'll be interesting to get Danny's thoughts on how that might link into the international game as well. So go on, Danny, what are your thoughts?
2: That's a big question, Brett. Um, club hockey is a really interesting space, I think. Um, you've got lots of different individuals there for lots of different reasons, um, and I think trying to manage that as a, as a, as a coach is one of the hardest things you've got to do. So some players are there and that's their priority. Um, that's the pinnacle or, or the highest level they're playing at. You've got other players that are playing internationally that potentially, um, using club hockey as a vehicle to ensure they're ready to play international hockey. So um, attracting the international players to your club that are there for the club and the right reasons is probably one of, one of the biggest challenges, rather than players just using it as an opportunity to potentially earn some money or just to keep themselves fit and firing ready for the international season. Um, the difference, I guess, with um, coaching a team like Wales is we're, we're pretty remote and camp-based, so we don't, our contact time is sort of two days at a time or, or four or five days when we're away together. So club hockey is essential for our players to ensure they're on the pitch regularly, that they're, that they're developing, um, and therefore their kind of choice of clubs and and levels is actually, really important. We sort of always try and promote as many of our guys to, to play in Europe as, mm. as possible. Because um, essentially that means they'll get full time on pitch training and coaching, which is something we can't
1: provide them within our programme. Well, that's going to be my next kind of thought. On what does the stuff around the club programme look like in certain clubs as well? So is there an NFC programme? Is there physio? So it's all winning again. getting stuff on the field, but actually how does the other stuff potentially benefit that player when it links back to international hockey too?
2: Yeah, it well, depends on the club. Um, universities tend to be, for the most part, pretty good, especially the performance ones, so they have a pretty good wraparound programme that, that looks after everything from analysis to S&C to, to the on-pitch stuff. Um I think it's easier with universities because mm-hmm. they've got a captive group of players that are in a similar place and uh, and normally on-site and closer, so there's, there's some huge advantages to, to university programmes. Um, I think some of your more... Um, your, your sort of senior Premier League clubs, if you like, um, have a real difficult job in terms of you've got guys working full-time, mm-hmm. you've got some guys there are not working full-time, um, you've got facility issues, um, so trying to design stuff that fits around, that's really difficult. For our guys, we have a, an s program that's run centrally through, through our guys who are brilliant mm-hmm. and as, as much as possible, we push our guys to, to stick to... To the s program the issues come around loading in terms of we can't control the loading in clubs and those types of things so that becomes yeah. slightly difficult also facilities so we look at um, you know, Reading for example where I coach we don't have a gym hmm. um, yeah, so we, we do have conditioning programs but so there's all those sorts of things you, you've got to try and manage which are which are more difficult
1: yeah and I guess we start this is a slide a potentially, we start paying players to play for clubs as well there's that expectation they need to be there at certain periods they need to play at certain periods and I'm sure that has a conflict of interest
2: yeah I mean officially you can't actually pay players to, to play club hockey in the UK it's not much a sport so mm. um, I think certain players are looked after and supported and yep. incentivised to play for clubs through coaching coaching and, yeah. and, and, and accommodation I'll be pretty political there <laughs> um, <laughs> don't get me started on that one um, so yeah uh, and I think with that becomes um, an expectation that they'll 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 be there mm. and, and do more. Um, it's it's tough. Like guys are coming off work, they travel, they get air, get to the club at seven thirty. You know, you're training eight till ten, then they're home late after eleven, twelve, then they're up again the next day for work. It's not what
1: you would prescribe for a performance. Oh, athlete. And one of the things that stands in my memory from my trip out into Holland, they trained three till five. five to seven and both are really manageable hours you can then go have an evening afterwards so if you've got a family say you can then you can go home and do your family stuff put the kids to bed whereas again here you work all day you're straight into hockey then leave at half nine ten everyone's a bed and you've probably got an hour to travel maybe like an hour and a half to travel and that kind of stuff so it's a huge shift it's a
2: huge shift um it's a long season as well Mm a lot of our international guys come off the back of international season then go straight into mm-hmm. domestic pre-season then go straight back into <coughs> international season so like it just becomes really hard to to maintain like the level of engagement and motivation in it um, yeah ac- across that and if you've come off a major tournament like emotionally and physically you're, you're, you're pretty cooked some clubs are brilliant at looking after them and managing that um but then they they are getting dragged between club yeah. and country yeah. um, which is also difficult.
0: On that, how challenging do you think a senior international athlete, either Wales or GB, finds club hockey relative to the international game? And how much does the club game prepare players for an
2: international game at this current time? (laughs) There's there's about (laughs) nine questions in there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think... Depends on the club and depends on the player. So yeah. some clubs are really good at having dialogue with us about what the individual player's needs are, how we can line those up to, yeah. to really work with us to go, how do we develop this player both for the club and then both for the country? Mm-hmm. I think um, there's no... there's no. Um, it's completely understandable that clubs have a club lens on, on it and their priority is their club performance and their club team. Um, mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense and there's no... Um, no problem with the international coaches having having the same lens so it's just understanding that and not putting players in positions where they feel like they have to make decisions that are going to let one or, or the other down I think that's really difficult and then we've just found communication is probably the most mm-hmm. important thing, even things like shifting game times and, and the way we've planned camps and then national league games get changed and all of a sudden then players are like, I've got to go to camp, and they're like it's just a training day and they're and they're like, well, I, I need to play, and then mm-hmm. they want to play, and they want to be at the camp at the same time, so mm-hmm. that's, that's quite tough for them to manage. Um, we, players, will miss mm-hmm. club games for international commitments. Um, is as, the way, yeah. as, as is the way. As yeah. is the way. Di- the difficulty for clubs is, if you've got three or four players you rely on in key positions, to then all of a sudden lose those three or four How players. How did the, the Pro League
0: really change that landscape, or the, the, the GB players? Makeup of squads
2: will change potentially, potentially. So you, I think you have to weigh up as a club the, the mm. value versus yeah. that, and whether you've got the depth and the infrastructure within your club to manage when they're mm. away, and, and then to have them back as as a bo- or not as a bonus. But then the, the real difficult for thing, probably the more difficult thing for a coach is the transition. Players have been away for for three or four games. The guys have been playing and training hard. Mm. The international guys come back, and then they're just parachuted straight back in mm. into the team. Like, politically, that's a really tough thing to manage. You've got to have mm-hmm. the right players coming back in mm-hmm. with the right values. Mm-hmm. You've got to manage, better manage those guys that are putting a shift in while they're away. Like, um,
1: how, how do you
0: manage them dropping back into training around the centralised programme? So if they're training in that and then coming into the, the
2: training week preparing for a game, how does that work? Um, I think it's really tough for those guys that are in full-time centralized training, um, like they're loaded to the limit, I guess, through yeah. that program. If they've then got to come and train on a Thursday night, like that's that's really yeah. tough for them. Um, and if they've got to come and train with an intensity that you want yeah. to have those international players in training at, I think some are really good at it. Yeah. And I think it is built into their loading pattern with, with the centralized yeah. group. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: they're just tired, they're just tired, yeah. mm-hmm. But you also want them to be the role models because that is the next level up, and you want your players to see that that is what the expectation is. You speak to some of guys, and, and actually,
2: if they're too tired to go at full tilt, you almost would rather they didn't, yeah, yeah, they didn't train, yeah. Um, and you be around, be their help, yeah. But actually, yeah. look after yourself, look after yeah. yourself. Yeah. You playing at half speed is actually no good for us yeah. on the pitch, we'd rather you were in and on it, or
1: you were in and helping mm-hmm. one, of, one of the two. I think it's really tricky, again. Um, We've got a player with us who's in the Central House Program. She, she loves being here and loves being within the club, with her friends and that kind of stuff and finds it difficult not being there. And when we talked about coming back in and joining us for games, it's, it's uncomfortable for her to think that she will just get parachuted back in. Whereas she's such a, a hugely talented player and the girls buy the situation I understand her. But she can feel uncomfortable in that situation too. So... Caught in the middle, yeah. in all different directions, and even players will be still on the sideline
2: for key league games, yeah, because they're travelling away the following week mm-hmm. and they're on rest. And yeah. they're on rest, which from an international performance you can like, completely understand. Is the yeah. way, it's the right decision, but for them they're like,
1: I want to be there with my mates playing. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel really bad because yeah. I'm
2: not, I'm not on the pitch with my mates. And in the state, country, managing stakeholders at clubs hard for that as well because there's people that why are they playing what's yeah, they and the and that can always be tricky. So that's getting the band's full that, picture. That's the top. so the, I guess the, the bigger question is what how does it all fit moving forward mm-hmm. um club versus country is always going to be a, a potential for some sort of let's say friction debate yep. it's going to be clunky and frustrating mm-hmm. it's never going to be perfect mm-hmm. but I think if we want players to spend and more if, so if you want the clubs to spend play a bigger role in developing these players mm-hmm. then we potentially need to trust the
0: clubs,
2: trust them and improve what the clubs mm-hmm. have providing and doing I think um, so be, there's going to be an interesting space I think in the next cycle of, oh, of how that's going to look um, mm-hmm. I think we don't know it. Don't Looking at other
0: it nations know. it was interesting that with the, some of the pro league clashing with the Dutch playoffs how a couple of the top Belgian players stayed in Holland to play for Blumendahl so Van mm-hmm. and cosines they played Dutch playoffs and were allowed to do that and it was that seems to be a decision that we maybe wouldn't take in this country at this stage with players with Commitments,
2: but is that something sort of you can see happening in the future? Or I I think so, depends on the profile of the league and, yeah. and the arrangement of the things are lined up appropriately. Um, if that was a major tournament, yeah, no, it we, wouldn't happen, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. So you've got that decision to The nature make. of Pro League still sort of finding its feet of what it is and what people, what nations take out of it and always use it for, isn't it? Yeah, we've let guys miss test matches because mm-hmm. they've got indoor finals or yeah. they've got. Playoffs, or that you know, that's we, we and they're good experiences,
1: the, aren't they? Yes. To develop that person, but also probably enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, pretty yeah. key. You
2: want to play in the big games, yeah. you want to be part of the group, you know. So, we almost want those experiences for our, for our players as well. Yeah. Um, so, that's going to be interesting. I think there are massive advantages to a centralized training program, but there are also some, some disadvantages. Mm-hmm. Um, look at Ireland, they sort of go semi centralized and camp based, the Dutch, semi centralized and camp based. There's geographical Mm -hmm. issues, there's Mm -hmm. the quality of the hockey, so if the centralised guys knew they were going into full-time programmes in the UK, I think Mm -hmm. they'd be okay doing semi-centralised, but because Mm -hmm. they're not, it then becomes really difficult, so I wouldn't want to dip into the political issues, Mm -hmm. but um, there's some big decisions I think to be made around the role of club hockey, Mm -hmm. how it fits with the centralised programmes, how the players are managed between the clubs and, and the country. Lots more conversations like this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, perhaps I'm. I guess I'm lucky. I I, I coach internationally, which means I've got an understand a little bit of that. But we're not centralised, so mm-hmm. it's very very different. And I'm involved in, in club hockey, so I understand. If, from that point of view, what I'm not involved in is the centralised program, so I don't have that lens yeah. on it. So mm-hmm. I, you know, if you, you can convince someone else like that to come on your podcast, you might get some different different <laughs> answers. Yes. Or we'll work on that. I <laughs> think the <laughs>
1: scheduling scheduling's good, though. Yeah. I think. Going next year to have twelve games pre-Christmas, and then less after Christmas, the Pro League have less effect on those games, so therefore more international players will play in for their clubs and that league. Therefore, will get stronger if that. Fantastic it's a mood. I'd go for yeah. more double-header weekends. Yeah, yeah. There's oh, one sure. one yeah. schedule at the moment for next year. it Looks like so. Actually, you
2: get you do less weekends. Yeah, but you have all of your players playing on more games. Yeah, and actually, I think families and, and, and people would would yeah appreciate that balance being. Germans do yeah. they do a lot of double-headers.
1: And linking that back to the international game, not this necessarily for that reason, but you'll do back-to-back, or you'll do... Eight games in 12 days. Yeah, 12 days. there you go. So actually, yeah. that's, that's a good thing. That's something the Pro League's probably not offering at the moment. It's not I mean, getting prepared for tournament hockey because the structure is different. Not it's good or bad, but it's just not allowing that, that yeah. to happen.
2: Traditionally, you've, all, you've also got the school stuff to manage. So a lot of the players that play Premier League are heads of hockey and coaching mm. in independent schools, mm-hmm. which then sometimes means playing Saturdays Tricky, tricky mm. but then playing Sundays also becoming tricky. Mm-hmm. If you said to them, "We're going to play Saturday, Sunday this weekend," but you're going to have that weekend off, that might, massive that might be easier to
1: manage. Yeah, uh, and I case. think it also breaks up that you know long season. Like you have a, a little hockey holiday. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. You come <laughs> back refreshed, and yeah. you maybe don't train on the Monday afterwards or don't train the Thursday going into that weekend, or whatever it might be. So yeah, I like it. it. Yeah, I think
2: you can that. build in periods of deloading Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Things, which is well, less weekends and more double headers would be. And I, I don't know. Do more, um, maybe want to see the rugby league do it, but a club hosts all the Magic Weekend. Mm-hmm. all four yeah. or five. That's
1: five. class. While well, I was old, games, in yeah. uh, Oz they did that so once every X amount of weeks, so you'd go to the Melbourne or rugby hockey centre and the whole league would play there. Mm-hmm. It was two water bases either side of this big bit in the middle and you'd play, and be bit in Eden, be like a Thursday evening, so you play at five, seven, and nine. Yeah, amazing. so cool. good. And everyone's there, socialising with each other. There's a few beers potentially, or some schooners going around. Schooners, yeah, club yeah. yeah. like every week.
0: The, the play out of the Hobart league. Every week oh the same oh yeah, yeah. Could we also move the league to the summer? Are we, are
2: we, oh, that, <laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> yeah,
1: that would be for rugby league. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah just guess up ahead of weekends.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you also I think like one thing is if we want the game to generate money in the UK, we need more people watching. It mm-hmm. needs to be in commercial. At the minute that the, the Premier League isn't 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 sellable, isn't commercial. You know, it's um. So actually, how how do we do but the that? encouraging thing you've seen this summer is that ticket
0: it sells for pro league in this country, so mm-hmm. there is an appetite to watch hockey. It's just making sure it's in the right location at the right price, and the product that they're, that they're watching is good enough is, is what people want to go and With see. With the pitch you can put anywhere in the
1: world, yeah, yeah. that'd be great. <laughs> the yeah.
0: caveat
2: to that would be um, are enough people watching the league finals weekends and things like yeah, that? Yeah, you would say no, yeah, you want more people at the league finals weekends,
0: but the international stuff that appeared to it's have gone sorry. really well. The appetite of watching off is definitely
2: healthy. Yeah, and that came off the back of the Women's World Cup, which yeah. was really well attended. Yeah. And so I think internationally, yeah, right, the product is is definitely moving forward, which can then only hopefully drip down into, into
0: the league. And on timing, sticking true to our principles, we have just got to 17 minutes, which is, we believe, acceptable <laughs> for, the, for this format of podcast we'd like to thank Danny for his time Post I didn't mention the constraints once. <laughs> no exactly we didn't, didn't get on to any constraints until the last minute <laughs> go, on, go on just say it affordances <laughs> um, we'd like to thank Danny for his time his coffee and being episode 4 on our podcast there okay. go